Uh, I want to begin by thanking everyone very much for being here today. It's a little bit of a nicer day out there. It's a little bit warmer, although quite muddy, as I'm sure many of you experienced. I know that getting up the road was probably a bit of a challenge for some. Uh, but sincerely, thank you all very much for being here. Um, as we've talked about many times, this is, this is a room of wood and some plaster, lights, electronics, wiring. It becomes a zendo when, when we come together as a sangha and sit here. So thank you very much for being here and helping to support my practice because I certainly need all of your help today. I'd like to begin today's Dharma talk, um, as most great Dharma talks do, by talking about paper towel. So um, Juzan and I have a, uh, a small zoo that we're slowly forming in our house. We have uh, two snakes, a ferret, a fish tank, two cats, and we have a puppy who is, um, I'm really not sure if she's the sweetest, most loving and affectionate animal that has truly ever existed, or a creature born from nightmare who was sent here for the sole purpose of unmaking the world. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I think she's both. Uh, but with all of those pets, there are a lot of pet messes that we are cleaning up. And one of Olivia, our puppy's favorite pastimes, is to drink water like she's never had a drink in her life. And she'll just lap it up and lap it up and lap it up and lap it up. And then she walks five feet away and then throws up the water on the ground somewhere. Um, doesn't seem to matter how often we give her water, it's still what she likes to do. So the other morning, uh, this had happened, it was very early in the morning, and I went to grab some paper towel to clean it up. And the last time we had purchased paper towel, we got just a generic kind of cheap brand of paper towel. And every time when you go to rip off a rectangle of it, it rips about 85% of the way perfectly down the perforations, and then I get a little triangle that won't quite rip right every single time. And it is maddening to me. I don't know why, but it absolutely drives me insane. So this happened the other morning as I was going to clean up some you know, water on the ground, and I found myself getting really bothered by this. And I thought, you know what? That does it. I'm saying something to Jews on, and the next time we go to the store, we're going to get good paper towel. None of this you know, bad perforations for us. It's, why, why do I live like this? This is crazy. There's no reason to do this. And I, I was really proud of myself, really thinking, okay, this is... This is going to make everything a lot better. This is going to fix all of my problems. When I have paper towel that goes right down the line, what more can you ask for? Um, and it was after a few minutes of feeling quite fancy with myself and very proud and excited for this revolutionary idea of mine, um, I realized how absurd I was being. And that realistically, whether there's a little you know, quarter-sized corner that doesn't tear on my paper towel really doesn't make that big of a difference in the grand scheme of things, that... It still soaks up whatever I need to soak up just the same. Um, The function is really no different, but I make a distinction there in that if it would only tear neatly, everything would be perfect. But when there's a little extra corner, it's hell on earth. No greater travesty. Um, Another thing related to Olivia that's a a fun preference of mine is that uh, we have this collar for our dog that has a separate little D-ring on there, which is really nice because you can attach her leash right to the collar. And there's a separate area where her little tags go that identify her. And Juzan and I have this ongoing debate about the proper way to put on her collar. I hold the position that there is a right way to do it. And if it's put on in a certain orientation, it's easier to grab that ring and everything goes much more smoothly. Juzan seems to think it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's an ongoing conversation that we have that it really makes no difference. At most, there's a half a second of time difference between the two options, uh, and that maybe I could spend my time focusing on more important matters. 
So these are just a couple of preferences that come up pretty often, and those are just two surrounding our dog. Um, another one that I'll share that, that goes back actually years with me is I'm very particular about how I organize my wallet. Um, in the wallet itself, it has to have just the, the right mix of compartments, and I have to have it just so, and it can't be too thick because I like a low-profile wallet. To the point where the last time I found a wallet I liked, I, I bought four of them. I bought every one that they had in the store. Just so that way, as I ran out, I would, I'd be prepared. I'd have my backup. I wouldn't need to go find some other foreign wallet. Um, and I've been doing this for about the past eight years now, so I'm going through these wallets. And relatively recently, I was on my last wallet and it was starting to show its age. And I started to, started to feel really uncomfortable and thought, you know, maybe it's the time to, to find a new wallet. I'm a, you know, it's a brave new world and I'm going to you know, brave the storm and I'm going to try something new. Uh, and I didn't. I hated it. Absolutely. It was just, it was the worst. It did, I couldn't get the cards where I wanted them. And it was a trifold and it was awkward. And I just didn't like it. Went back to my old wallet, which is falling apart. Um, so these are some of my preferences that, that, that come up often for me. And some of them are very simple things that I notice as I'm ripping off a piece of uh, paper towel. And others are things that I've carefully planned and thought about for years about how, what can I do to, to accommodate my own preferences. Um, and the paper towel one interestingly came up again actually yesterday. Uh, we have a, uh, in addition to the myself, Juzan, Mado, and Jireen, who currently live here in the circle, we have a squirrel that is inhibiting uh, one of, or inhabiting one of the lower rooms here. Um, and we've been trying to do what we can to seal the squirrel out of there so he doesn't chew up the wires or make any damage to the property for a while. So um, I had purchased some insulating foam that was going to go and spray in all of the cracks and, and patch up the hole so he can't get back in. And... Uh, because I wasn't following the instructions and wearing gloves, I ended up with a lot of this foam on my hands, and I had to call for Jireen and say, I need some help. I need some paper towel. Well, of course, what she brings me is this marvelous paper towel that tore just as you'd want, and ah, it flared back up. I thought I was right. I, I needed to get those better ones. So before we kind of get into things, I'd like to invite everyone here to, to share a preference or two. Um, the sillier and more mundane, the better, just so we can kind of talk a little bit about some of, some of all of our preferences. I prefer to just be able to put the collar on. <laughs> <laughs> Out of the question. things that may be obvious in, in this immediate response of everybody is that we're often not aware of our preferences. Mm -hmm. um, that to us, our preferences are just the way everything should be. The way the world it's works. It's just the normal, you know, just the way the world should be. And it perhaps isn't until something pushes against our preference, like another preference, <laughs> another way of seeing the world that seems perfectly perfect and normal, uh, pushes against something that we've just always regarded as the right thing. So I know when you asked the question, my first response was, I, I don't have any preferences. <laughs> <laughs> I guess my preference, if you put it into a category of social-cultural, is informality. 
have a preference when it comes to my form of caffeine, <laughs> uh, which is these days you know, some form of English black tea uh, with real milk uh, and uh, with raw sugar and a little bit of sweetener. And if you go somewhere where they're serving caffeine and they have tea, well, there are so many combinations these days that I've come to bring my own little stash with me. That way I know my desires will be satisfied. I can't think of any personal preferences, but I've noticed that in um, the faculty room at lunchtime, everybody has a favorite seat, mm -hmm. and if you sit in it, it makes them very uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> and if someone new comes and sits in it, it's even worse. So <laughs> I think that's a human territorial behavior trait. I, I agree with Mado's view that we don't sense our preferences until you come up against uh, a conflict with somebody else and when you live with someone. One of my things is just normal, you just do it. If you have cut a piece of bread on a board, you just brush it off and put it away. Instead, some people that I live with <laughs> take that nice clean board and put it on a dish of spaghetti sauce or something. Now it has to be washed. <laughs> Uh, thank you for sharing. Um, w when I started thinking about this a little bit more in, in preparation for this Dharma talk, I started realizing that my entire existence is preferences. The, the things I prefer to eat, you know, I don't want to have noodles and red sauce tonight. I want to have rice with broccoli in it. That's what I want. That's going to be much better. Um, not, not worrying about the nutrition, not worrying about what's going to be most healthy for me, but just what do I, what do I prefer? What am I going to wear today? How am I going to set up my cushion when I sit to give my Dharma talk? Um, what type of car are we going to get so we don't have to park at the bottom of the road on snowy or muddy days and walk back up? Um, the background on my computer, I mean, everything. It's, it's all a preference. There's always a, a, a plethora of choices we can make in any given situation, and we choose one. Um, and I started to kind of feel overwhelmed by it and just thinking, you know, our, this practice talks about not having preferences, and not marking distinctions between things. And I started thinking, you know, I must be the single worst Buddhist in the history of Buddhism because it's, it's all I do. My, my entire being is just making distinctions. And no, I like this one instead of that one. I don't want to wear my shirt like that. I'm going to wear it like this. Um, you know, and uh, Jews and I can tell you as well that whenever I start to feel like I need a haircut, it's the end of the world. I need to have it that day. There's, there's absolutely nothing that can convince me that I don't need a haircut or that it's fine. It's I have to have a haircut. Nothing is right in the world until I can do that. Um, and like I said, it really started to feel overwhelming. And, and almost, I almost felt a little bit of guilt about it somehow that, well, well, I should be doing something differently. I shouldn't be holding myself in this manner that creates all these preferences. Um, and then I kind of started thinking, well, you know, Surely not all preferences are bad, you know. Uh, last week, Juzan, in his Dharma talk, was speaking about the, the differences between absolute and relative truth. And I started thinking about preferences in a similar light and saying, well, maybe it's okay that I prefer to not have someone punch me in the face. Maybe it's okay that I prefer to have a home and 
have food and certain comforts. Maybe that's those things are okay, but other preferences, those ones are the bad ones. Those are the ones I need to avoid. Surely some things are okay, though. And I started to realize that even labeling preferences as you know kind of good preferences or things that are acceptable or bad it's even that is a preference it's me having i have a need to say well some things fit in this box and those ones are good and other things fit in this box and those ones are bad and those are the ones i need to avoid um, so when we talk about absolute versus relative truth one of the things that is referenced is when we look about the the distinctions that we make between things the absolute truth is that everything is one being. Um, and again, as Juzan talked about last week, there are certain relative truths as well that we say, well, I'm perhaps a distinct being from Juzan or Meta or any of our guests here today. Um, and that that's, I think, very, it, it, it goes hand in hand with a lot of the preferences that we make, that there are some things that by virtue of being a living being on this planet, we're going to have to make certain choices along the way. What are we going to wear in the morning? What are we going to have to eat that morning for breakfast? And that preferences really can't exist with distinction. If we don't mark distinctions between this and that, and if we try to refrain from labeling things, then we can't really have a preference because everything is the same. And we're not, we're not able to, to find that distinction to say, okay, well, there's the divide is, and I like this one over that one. And then I kind of stopped myself again and said, well, rather than get caught up in this intellectual exercise, what I really need to be doing is just kind of take a step back and not worry so much about what the preferences are and where I have them and which ones are good and which ones are bad and what's acceptable from a Buddhist perspective and what's not, but to just look at them and often laugh at the preferences and to just know that it's not necessarily about eliminating all preferences, um, although I prefer that you all did. Um, it's really it's about looking at how we hold ourselves. There's a... Uh, Dharma talk that I had tried to find um, so I could give the, the, the speaker credit for it this morning um, that Jews and I had listened to uh, probably a year or two ago as we were on a drive back to Michigan. And uh, it was talking about if you want to change something in your life, if you, if you have something in your practice that you've kind of said is, you've identified as an issue, you need to make that same mistake 300,000 times. That the first 100,000 times you do that, it's just to see it. Just, just to notice that there's something you're doing that you dislike, perhaps. The second 100,000 times that you do that thing, it's to start to, to get a feel for it, to begin to understand. And it's not until that third 100,000 times of making that same action that you can begin to understand the point where you can affect a change and you can alter your behavior and change your practice. One of the things that I like about that philosophy is that it's really it's not talking about judgment and reflecting inward and saying, I need to change. It's a very gentle transition. Um, that's one of the things that we, I think we kind of embody here, not only in the Soto lineage of Zen, but also here at Oan, I think that we have a, we have a gentle practice. Uh, we don't encourage, you know, fast moves and rash decisions. It's, let's be slow. Let's settle. Think about things carefully um, and then choose what we're going to be doing. Um, I'd actually, I'd like to close today by reading a, um, a reading I had found that's uh, talking about preferences. So I'll ask you to bear with me. It is a little bit longer. This is from uh, Sin Sin Ming by Sang Tsang, uh, roughly 500 AD, translated by Richard Clark. And the um, Sin Sin Ming translates roughly to faith in mind. 
The great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences. When love and hate are both absent, everything becomes clear and undisguised. Make the smallest distinction, however, and heaven and earth are set entirely apart. If you wish to see the truth, then hold no opinions for or against anything. To set up what you like against what you dislike is the disease of the mind. When the deep meaning of things is not understood, the mind's essence or the mind's essential peace is disturbed to no avail. The way is perfect like vast space, where nothing is lacking and nothing in excess. Indeed, it is due to our choosing to accept or reject that we do not see the true nature of things. Live neither in the entanglements of the outer things, nor in inner feelings of emptiness. Be serene in the oneness of things, and such erroneous views will disappear by themselves. When you try to stop activity by passivity, your very efforts fills you with activity. As long as you remain in one extreme or the other, you will never know oneness. Those who do not live in the single way fail both activity and passivity, assertion and denial. To deny the reality of things is to miss their reality. To assert the emptiness of things is to miss their reality. The more you talk and think about it, the further astray you wander from the truth. Stop talking and thinking, and there is nothing you will not be able to know. To return to the root is to find meaning, but to pursue appearances is to miss the source. At the moment of inner enlightenment, there is a going beyond appearance and emptiness. The changes that appear to occur in the empty world we call real only because of our ignorance. Do not search for the truth. Only cease to cherish opinions. Do not remain in the dualistic state. Avoid such pursuits carefully. If there is even a trace of this and that, of right and wrong, the mind essence will be lost in confusion. Although all dualities come from the one, do not be attached even to this one. When the mind exists undisturbed in the way, nothing in the world can offend. And when a thing can no longer offend, it ceases to exist in the old way. When no discriminating thoughts arise, the old mind ceases to exist. When thought objects vanish, the thinking subject vanishes as well. As when the mind vanishes, objects vanish. There are objects because of the mind. The mind is such because of the objects. Understand the relativity of these two in the basic reality, the unity of emptiness. In this emptiness, the two are indistinguishable, and each contains itself in the whole world. If you do not discriminate between the coarse and the find, you will not be tempted to pre uh, prejudice and opinion. To live in the great way is neither easy nor difficult. But those with limited views are fearful and irresolute. The faster they hurry, the slower they go. And attachment cannot be limited. Even to be attached to the idea of enlightenment is to go astray. Just let things be in their own way, and there will be neither coming nor going. Obey the nature of things, your own nature, and you will walk freely and undisturbed. When the thought is in bondage, the truth is hidden. For everything is murky and unclear. And the burdensome practice of judging brings annoyance and weariness. What benefit can be derived from distinctions and separations? If you do not wish to move in the one way, do, do not dislike even the world of senses and ideas. Indeed, to accept them fully is identical with enlightenment. The wise man strives to know no goals, but the foolish man fetters himself. There is one dharma, not many. Distinctions arise from the clinging needs of the ignorant. To seek mind with a discriminating mind is the greatest of all mistakes.
Rest and unrest derive from illusion with enlightenment. There is no liking and disliking. All dualities come from ignorance and ignorant inference. They are like dreams or flowers in air, foolish to try and grasp them. Gain and loss, right and wrong, such thoughts must be fully abolished at once. If the eye never sleeps, all dreams will naturally cease. If the mind makes no discriminations, then ten thousand things are they as one, of a single essence. To understand the mystery of this one essence, it is to be released from all entanglements. When all the things are seen equally, the timeless self-essence is reached. No comparisons or analogies are possible. In this causeless, relationless state, consider movement stationary and stationary in motion. Both movement and rest disappear. When such dualities cease to exist, oneness itself cannot exist. To this ultimate finality, no law or description applies. For the unified mind in accord with the way, all self-centered striving ceases. Doubts and irresolutions vanish, and life in true faith is possible. With a single stroke, we are freed from bondage. Nothing clings to us and we hold to nothing. All is empty, clear, self-illuminating, with no exertion of the mind's power. Here thought, feeling, knowledge, and imagination are of no value. In this world of suchness, there is neither self nor other than self. To come directly into harmony with this reality, just say when doubt arises, not to. In this not to, nothing is separate, nothing is excluded. No matter when or where, enlightenment means entering this truth. And this truth is beyond extension or diminution in time and space. In it, a single thought is 10,000 years. Emptiness here, emptiness there, but the infinite universe stands always before your eyes. Infinitely large and infinitely small, no difference for definitions have vanished and no boundaries are seen. So too with being and non-being. Don't waste time in doubts and arguments that have nothing to do with this. One thing, all things, move, move among and intermingle without distinction. To live in this re- realization is to be without anxiety about non-perfection. To live in this faith is the road to non-duality, because the non-dual is the one with the trusting mind. Words. The way is beyond language, for in it there is no yesterday, no tomorrow, and no today.